Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Motherhood Exposed. Today, I've realised the podcast is rather badly named, as I welcome this week's guest, Mike, from the Instagram account, at 2 Dads. Since having their two children through surrogacy, Mike and his husband Wes have been working tirelessly to improve equality, modernise guidelines and laws and support others going through their surrogacy journey. Keep listening to hear their story. Hi Mike, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Yes, we're all um, over here in Dubai. We're very happy because the weather's finally cooling down. So we're all kind of like just a bit um, excited because uh, we can go out in jumpers and things if we go out really early in the morning. So, <laughs> but what, what what temperature is it to make you go out in a jumper though? Oh, uh, in the mornings, maybe eighteen. <laughs> it's still a that's still summer yeah you know, it, it will get cold 18, 18 degrees and i'm still in shorts and, and i might even put a vest it's a bit pathetic isn't it um i used to be <laughs> i used to be quite tough but then um yeah then dubai happened it does get colder then, though it moves it goes to about seven but we've got another maybe a few more months for that before it drops to sort of five or seven but we'll see anyway thank you so much for coming on today i'm really excited to have you um I always start the podcast with asking how you met your um, your partner, so your husband, okay. Wes. So are you happy to yeah. tell us the story? Of course, Brilliant. of course. So um, I met Wes in June 2012. Um, he was working, um, at the time he was working for London 2012 on the Games. Yeah. And he was in Birmingham for that particular weekend. And it was Birmingham Pride. And I had been single for about six months and wanted to go and have a good time. And I was at Pride with my friends. And the moment, the first bar I walked into, um, I clocked him. And uh, I just thought there was something cool and special. Went over and I said, hi. And um, and we just got chatting and we, we, we really hit it off with each other. Um, but Pride's huge in Birmingham. So my friends left this particular bar, his friends left. So we both just went our own ways. And I thought, oh, that was nice. He was a nice guy. Didn't take his number. <gasps> and then with Pride, you, you leave um, early evening to go and get ready for the evening. So yeah. you you know, the gays love an outfit change. So I was going home to get, to get ready. And he was coming back through the same turnstile. He had got oh, ready. There we go. And I was pushing on this one and he was behind it. And uh, I was like, right, this is it. So I took his number and that was it. And we were engaged four months later and wow. we got married following August. And um we we began then talking about family and what what that would mean and, and how would we do that he already had a daughter from a previous heterosexual relationship uh-huh. so at the time Katie was seven she's now 17 <gasps> um so yeah that was our little meeting amazing amazing gosh we were quite similar then because I was just telling you telling me mine so we got married in August as well 2013 so what date did you get f- married 15th Oh, we were the ninth. Ah, oh, there you go. Just just before us, you just tipped us. Um, <laughs> so, children were always on the on the cards for you guys. Yeah, um, especially me. Um, I had also um, been married to a woman um, very early on. I got married really young, mm-hmm. um, and I one of the reasons why. I selfishly got married then was because I wanted children and I, I knew I was gay. Um, but I, I wanted kids. I wanted my mom and dad to be grandparents. Mm. And I just hoped and prayed that getting married then would, would, would make it all go away. And it didn't. <laughs> um, 
but wanting kids for me was always um i just longed to be a parent i and my my friends were all having kids and and i had i had um children and, and nieces and nephews that were were kind of adopted to me yeah um but i was so desperate to to have my own family i i really yearned to to be a parent and how was it with um with katie when you came on the scene um it, it was there, there were challenges in the beginning um you know she heard she well firstly wes hadn't come out oh right so that was that was one one um piece of, of, of complexing situation to navigate through but we katie had all of a sudden had her dad to herself and then i was in the picture and she was having to share her time that she had with him also with me mm-hmm. so in the early times um it was it was certainly challenging and i think um i went through having to learn how to be the adult because what i was doing ashamingly so now was um often being the child in in that situation Ooh. where um you know arguing and bickering back with a 7 year old you know when when, I, when i'm a grown man um it's okay. i have a 7 year old i understand completely <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> Very i found easy, it <laughs> yeah it was and and you know i i would uh, and wes would often say to me you know be the adult here you know just put yourself in her shoes uh, her daddy's being shared this is new um she's she's on this journey as well so mm. Katie and I have now an incredible relationship and um, as her stepdad and as the role I've now taken, um, I now see and understand exactly what she was going through. She was scared, you know, she was potentially losing her dad to this other guy that was now in her life that she never asked for. So I, you know, the first I would probably say the first two years were really tough. Um, a, a real feeling of resentment um, there. I think she really resented me. Um, and I think sometimes I resented her because yeah. I I wanted my time with with my new boyfriend, my new husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and she was always popping up in the background. And 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 I can say that out loud now because I I love the bones off the girl. She's incredible. And, and I love being, being her stepdad. I think she's phenomenal. And she's an incredible big sister to um, her brothers and sisters now. That's amazing. So when about did you guys start the conversation about actually having your own children together? Um, really quickly, if I'm honest, mm-hmm. um, I, I was like this psycho person <laughs> when when we met on that date in June, I remember asking him quite quickly um, that children are really important in my world and being a parent is really important. And I don't want to waste my time getting to know someone that doesn't okay. want a family. So I put it out there really yeah. quick. I don't think that's and, that. I only think that's quite sensible, actually. Okay, good. good. That <laughs> makes me feel better. <laughs> um, and he was like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm open to having more children. Uh, hadn't thought about it, but I'm open for that. Um, and then because of how we created our family um, and being too many, it isn't straightforward. We then had to do um, a ton of research into what that would look like and how we would achieve it. So mm-hmm. that period of time was two years, two and a half years worth of research and travel and, and and saving uh because you know, having children through surrogacy um isn't a straightforward pathway and we needed to make sure we were doing it correctly yeah so can you talk about the surrogacy journey or your experience of the surrogacy journey yeah of course so we at the, when we first started doing our research we didn't know what route we were going to go down whether that was uk surrogacy mm-hmm. international surrogacy or support through an organization because there's a number of options. And in the UK, surrogacy is completely legal. Um, it's altruistic, so it's not commercial surrogacy, as you know. 
and we wanted the support of an organization. So we contacted three organizations, um, but none of them could help us because they uh, weren't accepting new intended parents. Um, so we had discounted international surrogacy because of, of cost. Uh, and the uncertainty with some of the countries. So mm -hmm. Thailand had just closed, India had just closed, Mexico had just closed, oh, wow. or certainly Tabasco had. And um, it left really Canada or the US. And at the time, we couldn't really afford those pathways. You know, they're about £150,000, $250,000 upwards. Wow. Um, and that just wasn't where we were at. Yeah. Um, so the UK was was that was our was our preferred route, and we had to do an independent journey because of the organisations having a complete block on registering IPs. So um, we threw ourselves into independent surrogacy Facebook groups, online forums, and started to build our own journey by as if we were getting support. So legal advice we took. And we found a great lawyer. We did our research into clinics that were experienced in dealing with gay surrogacy. Mm -hmm. We needed an egg donor because we wanted to only do gestational surrogacy. So our surrogate wasn't genetically linked to either of our children. Yeah. So finding a donor um, and all of all of these um, pockets of of routes along the way where. They're, they're, they're huge, you know, and you get lost and you, you know, you start Googling surrogacy and, you know, by the end of the day, you, you're looking at cat memes, you know, you just get <laughs> lost. You get lost in this absolute web of just weird stuff because you, you just, if you're not being supported, you're just like thinking, oh my God, what am I looking at? I, you know, I started looking for an egg donor and why am I now looking at juggling cats? It's just, you know, just bonkers. So um, our journeys were relatively straightforward. Um, we, we met Caroline, who's our surrogate, um, through an online forum. And she was the first surrogate that we spoke to and the last surrogate that we spoke to. Uh, it just fell right with us. How does that and, and work? Like you, you post, I'm like, we're looking for a surrogate. and someone. Yeah, there. and you can't say those words because that would be classed as advertising. Right. And advertising for a surrogate is illegal okay. and, uh, and is a criminal offence. And it's all this all ties back to this antiquated law called the Surrogacy Arrangements Act of 1985, massively outdated it's currently being reformed and updated okay. um, but at the moment you can't advertise for surrogates so what you say is um you would basically explain that you're intended parents that you are on your surrogacy journey you're looking to chat to people um about surrogacy i'm based in x mm. it'll be nice to meet people in x mm -hmm. and that kind of sparks conversation and right. you get messaged and you then take it wherever it needs to go. And, and Caroline messaged us. We built our profile on this one particular site and it was about six weeks. And she said, I love the look of your profile. Um, you, you, you both look really cute together. I love the fact <laughs> that you, you have uh, a blended family. Um, she was a first time surrogate. Um, she was married. She had four children of her own, and she yeah. specifically wanted to help a gay couple. Yeah. Um, and we met for coffee uh, at some, like, I think it was like a harvester place. Oh, no. in, in, oh, I know. So soulless. <laughs> so soulless. And just, and it, I remember it being empty and thinking, Wow, you know, not like a romantic first date or anything. You know, we, we should have really thought about this more for when we tell the kids. Um, but, you know, we were sat near the salad cart. It was all romantic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember it. I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, this woman potentially is going to carry our babies and feeling quite overwhelmed by the thought of that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, She's amazing and we clicked and we, because of the way surrogacy is in the UK, you really have to get to know your surrogate and yeah. vice versa. Um, 
because the law, the way the law works, everything is based on trust, mm-hmm. really. And particularly as an as an intended parent, you you know you want to feel comfortable in that journey, and so does a surrogate. In mm-hmm. fairness, um, so we we spent about seven months getting to know her and her kids because we were in this for the long haul, and she was going to be in our life forever and our kids' lives potentially, and we wanted to do it properly. So we then started the getting to know period um, which was which is a crucial part of any surrogacy yeah. journey but it, did you feel a bit um impatient at any point because you yeah knew what the end result was going to be hopefully that you were going to go down the pregnancy route but you had to wait and but I don't know must was it hard yeah and I'm not patient <laughs> at all um so I really struggled with that I think um I'd seen relationships break down for mm. previous journeys that I'd watched because I was in a lot of the forums and the Facebook groups. And, you know, you see people match really quickly and then you just know that's not going to go well because it, you know, you do have to liken it to, to dating. You know, you, you, you've got to feel a spark. You've got mm. to get to know them. You're mm. going to be um, in their lives for, for a long period of time. So it's got to work. And, we didn't want to make a mistake and we took, we took our time. And so I was impatient, but we definitely kept it, you know, on the right path because we wanted it to work yeah. and we're all invested emotionally. Um, and was, yeah. Well, sorry. Was it always um, a must that you, that Caroline was going to stay in your lives so that it was going to be someone who would be happy to continue to, to be part of Do you know lives? what? And I don't, I don't think I've, I've, I've said this before. Um, oh, exclusive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, when we started out with our journey, um, we, me and Wes, we didn't necessarily want a transactional relationship because that's just, that just felt a bit icky and that wasn't mm. what, what we wanted. But we, we were happy with the fact that a surrogate was going to help us and we would have our child and she would feel fulfilled by doing what she wanted to do. So when we started, that was kind of what we wanted. You know, we didn't, we didn't want anyone interfering as also we thought in our children's life or upbringing, you know, we want, we wanted to parent and we wanted to do our job. Mm. That's not what we got. And that's (laughs) not what, um, and that's also not what surrogacy is. So that was my naivety, mm-hmm. thinking that that's how it would be. But when you when you start getting to know someone and you're getting the butterflies about them and you get pregnant and you see your baby grow inside of them, you're feeling it kick, you're getting them describe what that's like, and you then appreciate what they go through when they birth your child, you... I couldn't dispose of this friendship like that because Mm. this person has just made me a parent and has made my life more enriched and valued. And I'm less of a selfish person and I have nothing but admiration and love for, for her and her husband. So to not have them makes me feel quite sad. You know, I, I, I'm ashamed that I wanted that in the beginning and now I'm so appreciative of what she did and the sacrifices that she made. She put her life on hold going through grueling medicated fertility treatment uh, and gave, gave us two babies and we had a foul transfer in the between in the middle, um, which was hard on all of us and and especially on, on Caroline and her body. Mm -hmm. Wow. So can you tell us about the, um, the actual process itself? Yeah. So, um, we had the clinic, we need an egg donor. Um, so we've got, we've got some, we've got some missing components. So we, we were using, we're going to talk about sperm now. We were using my sperm first and, um, that was always going to be that way because Wes has a daughter mm-hmm. and we were going to go through a second round and, and Wes would fertilize those eggs. So we had all my tests to the clinic. The clinic 
asked us what would our criteria be for a donor. And egg donation in the UK is uh, anonymous. So that basically means that it's anonymous at point of donation. Um, but when the child turns 18, they get to know who that donor is. Okay. So we, me and Wes look very different. Um, I'm, I'm olive skinned, dark hair. <laughs> I, we're both bald. That's about <laughs> as much as the, but he's very pale, blue eyed, little bit ginger. Right. And I'm, I'm darker skinned. So we matched our donor to his characteristics. So if we could have a child naturally, what would that look like? So um, they found us eventually after six months, uh, we got, a slightly taller donor than nice. Wes because he's got little legs. Um, <laughs> and they found us a blue blonde fair donor, um, five eight. Um, and she donated before, so she'd got proven fertility. She donated, uh, her eggs were retrieved, we fertilized. She only had five eggs retrieved, which is a low number. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was what we were told was that all of those eggs usually become blastocysts and they oh, did wow. oh wow um so they all become blastocysts we transferred one and we froze the rest and then we agreed that she would redonate again in 18 months time and we would do the same um but this time Wes would would fertilize them so our children had that genetic link yeah. Um, so we created them and we transferred and, and that was the process. Caroline had a medicated cycle. So she was getting her a body ready for transfer of, of the embryo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that took place on the 13th of February, 2016. Um, that was done immediately after me and Wes got on a plane and went skiing for a week um, with that, with some friends. And we just wanted to take our mind off it. And as you know, there's that whole two week wait period of um, just agonizing, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) and we, we went away and then towards the end of our holiday, Caroline WhatsApped us and said, can you talk? It's quite urgent. And we were just about to go, go out on, on, on the run and, we were like, oh gosh, what? This doesn't feel good. She hadn't really been in touch during the week. Mm. Um, so we were like, okay, let's let's chat. And what's that, what's that video called? And the screen was all black, couldn't really see. And then she just pops up with this pregnancy test. And it was like, you're pregnant. Oh, wow. And we were like, oh. oh and I get goosebumps talking oh. about it again. Um, and we cried. We, we, we laughed. We were like, shit, we <laughs> cried again. Um, and, but then we had to go back inside and not tell anyone because no one knew what we were doing. So we, we hadn't really shared what we oh, were wow. doing. We, we wanted to get through 12 yep. weeks mm-hmm. and then, you know, do what everyone else does. Um, so it was really, really hard, but we were, we were really fortunate and once we got to that point we we then announced it amazing and how involved were you um actually in the in the pregnancy were you able did you go to all the appointments and um would you see caroline in between appointments and things? yeah that was one of the points why we wanted to do uk surrogacy we wanted mm-hmm. to be present and yeah. we wanted to go to we were at the embryo transfer we were at the fertilization you know we were at we were at all of the milestones we went to every single scan and appointment mm-hmm. um so it was really important to us to be present and support her throughout the pregnancy. Um, we got some funny looks going to some of those appointments <laughs> because her husband would go, I would go, Wes would go. And quite often, um, you know, it, it took a while for the hospital to find their rhythm with us because they would go. We had a few you know, awkward situations where, you know, they would say, oh, only the dad can come yeah. in. And we were like, well, no, we're both, we're both this child's dad. And then they'll go, oh, no, we, we only want the real dad to come in. So you would then be you know, triggered by mm-hmm. some of this. So mm-hmm. we went, it was at about that point in our pregnancy, then we thought, you know, we need to do something about this. We need to educate people better about surrogacy. We need to support more people that are on surrogacy journeys. And, and we need to talk about surrogacy more and usualize it mm-hmm. not normalize it yeah and we then began to go down a route of okay how can we 
improve the law? How can we change policy? How can we train midwives and community nursing staff to support people like us that are creating a family through surrogacy? And um, and that's what we then got on to do because our hospital, there are a lot of compromises with our pregnancy. And one of the things that they really wouldn't budge on was us being allowed to see our child being born. So because we'd, because I know it's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, so be- they're just that because- minor, the minor thing they wouldn't budge yeah, on. Just that, just that, just that, yeah. So because um, Caroline had chosen to have an elective cesarean, um, they would only allow one person in theatre and that person um, would be her husband because we wanted her to feel comfortable and safe. Yeah, of course. And the hospital were like, you know, you 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 can't see, you, you won't be there. So what we will do is originally they said, you'll have your baby handed to you offsite in the car park because you can't come in. And we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's just talk about this. Um, <laughs> so we, 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 we ended up speaking to a lawyer and we, we challenged that. And as a result of that, we, we then went on to rewrite policy throughout the NHS to, to stop them doing this. But that was happening, you know, because the Surrogacy Arrangements Act and because policy was outdated in the NHS, they were literally taking because you're not the parents at birth legally with that child through surrogacy. They, the hospital didn't want to be responsible for handing that child to what was essentially not the legal parents and then those parents leaving the yeah. NHS with a baby that wasn't legally theirs. So what the hospital would do is that they, they would say, hand over on the car park, um, we're none the wiser. And that is just awful it's like a drug deal you know it's like doing something like a contraband so we we worked really hard to to rewrite policy with the department of health to go went to the houses of parliament and we were involved in the law reform and we 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 successfully got all of this changed and challenged and um our hospital who we had an amazing journey with they rewrote their policy and lots of other NHS trusts mirrored their policy as a result of, of the journey. Um, did, they, did they rewrite it in time for to do this birth? So that was the one thing that we, we couldn't compromise on because you couldn't have more than one person in theater. So when, when Caroline's waters actually broke um, the day before the C-section, we got a call to dart up to Lancashire, um, which, which we did. And, and, and I remember Dave, her husband, saying to me, how far away are you? And I'm like, oh, we're still an hour. And then, then 10 minutes later, can I have an update? How far? And I, we were Aww. thinking, oh, my God, this is advancing. And Caroline did not want to give birth um, naturally. She um, medically, she, she didn't want to because of previous birth challenges. Mm-hmm. So they were getting her ready for theatre and we got there and she was being wheeled down oh. down the corridor. So we gave her a kiss and we wished her well and we got they given us our own side room. Right. And, and, and our birth plan stated that, you know, bring our child to us once the child was born and then we will do skin on skin in, in our room and, and, mm-hmm. and, and feed our baby. So she'd gone into theatre and Dave came. He burst into our room, but he was all in scrubs and he wasn't holding our baby. And we were um, we were like, is everything okay? And he, he was all panicked and he looked quite emotional. And I'm like, is Caroline okay? And they're like, yeah, she's fine. Um, but the theatre manager says, get some scrubs on because they don't want you to miss your baby being born. So we... Dart, I start crying every time oh. I tell this story. We darted into the scrub room, got mismatched scrubs on. Yeah, it's all right. Literally. Midwives wear them as well, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We legged it into, and just as um, skin to knife was wrote on the board, and um, we just heard this almighty child scream out <laughs> um, um, Tallulah. We didn't know we were having a girl, and Tallulah oh. was was born at exactly 6am weighing eight pounds and was just beautiful. And it was the best thing that I'd ever witnessed. Um, and we went on to, to do everything else that we, we were doing, but because of that and how we document and told that story, 
the trust changed its policy for intended parents that both intended parents and the surrogate's partner can now be in theatre. That's incredible. Because it's a, it's, it's your right as a parent Absolutely. to see your child come into the world. And we managed to get that changed across the NHS by campaigning to, to, to policy heads of midwifery and, and theatre staff to say, you know, this is, this is really unfair, you yeah. know, this, and also quite triggering for later in life that mm-hmm. you miss something so mm-hmm. important. Um, so, yeah, so that was when, well when, when we had our son, Duke, um, who's, who's two, two is five now, um, we had this, all of the same staff and in the same theatre and we really? were in there right from the beginning. Oh, um, so it was, it was wonderful. It was great. That's amazing. Well done. And is it across um, all of the UK and Scotland and Wales and everything as well? So, yeah, with Scotland, um, Scotland's more advanced in terms of a lot of its policy than uh, than England is. Um, and Wales isn't doing too bad. But, yeah, I think the, 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 in 2016 and in then 2018, the Department of Health and Social Care re-updated uh, their guidance, um, which um, had all of this stipulated in there. So it's guidance for healthcare professionals and it's on the gov.uk site and it's there for... Um, all uh, healthcare professionals to adopt this later guidance to make sure that intended parents and surrogates um, receive um, a birthing plan that's no different from those that are birthing through without the assisted reproduction or assisted surrogacy assistance. Incredible. Amazing. And Mike, can you tell me more about the other things that you're working on? Um, so the Modern Family Show and my surrogacy journey. Can you talk a bit more yeah, about Base? Of course. So um, we wanted, um, since having our children, our careers have completely changed now. We we work solely within in the fertility space and, and surrogacy is a huge part of our lives. We, our Instagram, Two Dads UK, We've supported 325 men since 2016 become parents through surrogacy. Amazing. And um, we then wanted to extend that support out to heterosexuals, single people, trans people that wanted families through surrogacy. Mm -hmm. So we launched our own nonprofit organization and one of the four now signposted organizations by the Department of Health, HFEA and the gov.uk. Um, and that's my surrogacy journey. So that launched in February and we wanted to launch an organization with a difference that really focused massively on support, on emotional support, on fertility mentoring, on genetics and counseling, um, on screening uh, and on providing a, a real managed solution to surrogacy with um, then surrogate matching. Mm-hmm. So that launched in Feb and it's, it's, it's been mental. Um, it's gone really well. And we, we only focus on surrogacy in the UK, surrogacy in the US and surrogacy in Canada. Um, and we, we choose those pathways because uh, they're the most inclusive. So working with both LGBTQ people and heterosexual people. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the, the exit process is the most straightforward in terms of the parental order. Okay. Um, so that's why we chose those those routes. Um, and we it launched this year. It's been crazy. We we've got our first pregnancy. Um, we've got three embryo transfers taking place next month. Oh, I love um, that you know this. This is brilliant. It's just going so well. And it's, you know, we're a team of 15 now and an advisory board of 22. Wow. So it's 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 grown much quicker than we thought it would. Um and it's been great. You know, it's been, we've been featured in British Vogue, on the BBC, on ITV. It's the, and and then, then there's the, the, the podcast all about surrogacy. So it's just, it's been, um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been hard work, but it's been a lot of fun. And um, advocacy is something that me and Wes are really passionate about mm-hmm. and, and education. So the Modern Family Show, we should have launched it in 2020. <laughs> that was, you know, the world ended and all the world as we know it ended. And we postponed the London show. And then uh, we 
are doing that or did that on the 18th of September this year. Um, so that was phenomenal and was great. And it's it's a basically it's a family building show for the LGBTQ community. It's a safe space where they can come and talk about surrogacy, IVF, RUI, donation, adoption, fostering, co-parenting, fertility mm-hmm. preservation. Um, and it was this real unique space that we wanted to create to um ensure that our community safely navigated parenthood um and and yeah we run it every september and the plans are that we will expand this into other countries in in due course and there's more more information to come on that in december um but yeah it's it's been a whirlwind and and it's a good job I like my husband because <laughs> I live with him, I work with him, I travel with him, I parent with him. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a good job I like him. And you've done, you did the massive change in the NHS. Is there anything else um, that you're trying to petition for at the moment within the UK? Um, because you've stated like the surrogacy law is quite out, old. I mean, it's nearly as old as me. Um, <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's just... Um, so yeah, there's a number of things. Um, the, the reform is still ongoing, so we will still be active in those discussions. Um, we are also working with the HFEA and um, with other regulators to break down the stigma and the discrimination when it comes to people that are living with HIV. Because if you're HIV positive with an undetectable viral load, so mm-hmm. therefore you're, it's untransmissible, mm-hmm. um, you can't do surrogacy in the UK. Um, but you can in the US and in Canada and in Cyprus, but you can't in the UK. Um, but you can do IVF if you're HIV positive in the UK. You can't, just can't do surrogacy. And that's because surrogacy is, is classed as a donation and that that embryo is going into someone Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's massively discriminatory and we want to change. So we're we're championing positive surrogacy to ensure that those people can become parents um, still through surrogacy in the UK. Otherwise they'd have to go abroad and spend thousands, hundreds, Mm -hmm. thousands potentially Mm -hmm. on, on treatment. And it's just not necessary. And so that's one thing that we, we're, we're wanting to champion and change. Um, me and me and Wes never sit still. There's always there's always another, you know, <laughs> something else to do. Um, but yeah, we're 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 massive advocates for um, uh, fertility equality. Um, as it stands, gay men and gay people in um, the in England have very limited or zero access to NHS funding when it comes to fertility investigations and tests and, and IVF. Um, gay men in England just have no access, access whereas um, lesbians do, but there's a qualifying period of that. So that's massively discriminatory and we're again... It's a bit embarrassing, actually. It's, it's really embarrassing, you know? Um, and I get that in countries where, you know, being gay, you know, has its challenges and is illegal, but we're in a country where we can be who we are and we can marry who we want to, yet when it comes to wanting children, we're then told, oh, but you, you're not equal. Mm. Um, and... Uh, and and that's and that's unfair. And we will work. We, and we were working with Fertility Network UK and other organisations like IVF Babble to talk and educate and campaign about fertility equality when it comes to LGBTQ people having access to treatment on the NHS. Incredible. And one last question: um, the parental order. Is there any um, movement to that? becoming um less time because at the moment it yes. i don't i don't know the exact time but it's quite a long period isn't it it is so you you have a, a six week period before you can submit your paperwork into the family court so essentially the surrogate has six weeks to remove her consent um and uh, what what is proposed in the new pathway is that parental responsibility providing you went through an organization 
and or a, a fertility clinic to mm. create your embryos, then you would get parental responsibility from birth. Okay. So that's likely going to change, which is brilliant news. That's Where exactly. that's gray is if you did traditional surrogacy. So that's when you do home insemination and you don't use a clinic. So okay. you would you would use um, sterile syringes to inseminate um, your surrogate um, to create that child. Okay. It's likely that that will still have the older path pathway and not the new, but that's still to be announced, but it's likely that that, that, that may be that, that particular way. Okay. So you'd have to like present papers that you'd been to a clinic and. Yeah, you would. So when you go through a clinic, you know, you, it's very straightforward. Who's genetically linked to the child. Um, the embryos have been created and consents have all been done. And mm. um, when you're doing home inseminations, there are no consents. No, of course, you know, you, yeah. The surrogate is not consenting and their partner isn't either. So that has to all be done at the parental order stage. And, mm -hmm. um, and there's no evidence to show that that's riskier um, than, than gestational surrogacy, but uh, there's less paperwork done in the early stages. No, I understand. And I think the regulators just like the added protection <laughs> of going through an organisation and or going through um, uh, a, a clinic and as well getting legal advice. There are still so many people that still don't get legal advice. And, you know, it's, we think that's absolutely paramount. Mm, absolutely. And I guess also this is um, offering protection for the, the surrogate as well, that um, they're potentially not going to be left with a baby. They, they don't absolutely. want, I suppose. And that's, and that's, uh, that's, I'm glad you said that because that's a real risk. You know, there are intended parents that leave surrogates pregnant and don't contact them, you know, just as, wow. as surrogates, as intended parents are fearful that the surrogate will keep the baby. Mm -hmm. Surrogates are terrified that they're going to be left mm -hmm. with a baby that's not theirs, you know, and this just will add it added protection to both communities and camps. Incredible. Um, Mike, thank you. This has been so, so interesting and everything you're doing is absolutely amazing. And in such a short period of time, um, it's very inspiring. So well done, you guys. You're awesome. Thank you, Zoe. I appreciate um, it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. At the end of the podcast, um, I ask my guests the same questions. Um, I'm not very adventurous with that. So if you were to have um, coffee or gin or a glass of wine, whatever, you, whatever your tickle of choice is with any other person, um, alive, dead, famous, fictional. I think I did send these three. You look like this is the first time I've asked you. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm think I had two and I'm just trying to think who would I go with? You can go with two. It's okay. I don't mind. Okay. I would, I was watching a program last night about Princess Diana and about her clothes and just about her life. And I think the world has really moved on just from a technology point of view. And, you know, they were talking about her as um, a modern day influencer, you know, the way she dressed, mm. the way she acted, the way she used the press. And I would love to have a conversation with her and see how that would have transcribed now in a digital era. Yeah. Um, I would have just loved that opportunity to, to, to speak to her. And then my, my other, because I'm going to have two, <laughs> would have to be George Michael. Um, someone who, when I worked at British Airways, when I was 19 years old, um, I met him off a plane. I had to Did greet you? him <gasps> and, yeah, and Kenny off the plane. And he was lovely and really chatty to me. And I was really nervous and really young. And I've always thought he was amazing and always wanted to talk to him, but couldn't. So I would love to go back and, yeah. and do it again. Yeah. And see, and see if children was ever something in his life that he wanted. And would that have been something if his life wasn't so cruelly took short? Mm. Um, but again, I think such a talent and I love music and loved his music and would, would love to chat to him. Amazing. We watched um, Rocket Man last weekend, which was amazing. I loved it's it. It's so good. So good. So good. It took us three nights, but um, <clears throat> less said on that, the better. <laughs> we're not very good with our <laughs> Who bedtime. would yours be? Can, can I ask oh, who yours would be? Oh, no, no. I, uh, oh, gosh. No, 
I'd need loads of time to think about this. <laughs> I've asked this question for over a year and I've never, ever once thought about who mine would be. Isn't that terrible? And I would have gin, by the way. Good. Very good. But I'll get back to you. I'll maybe write it on the Instagram post. Let me think. Yes. Um, and since becoming a parent, is there um, one thing you found yourself saying that your parents used to say to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I say, I'll see. I'll see. You know, like when they say, Daddy, can we um can we go to the park? I'll see. Yeah. I, I and I say it and it's such a naff thing to say because we we should be saying yes. She wants to go to the bloody park for God's sake. Um, but I find myself saying that and I so and I also find myself saying, go and ask daddy. Go and ask daddy. <laughs> because I, I I'm too chicken shit to make that decision. So I'll ask him to do it. So is um, is where's daddy? And we're both daddy. Actually. We're both daddy. It's, we, and yeah, it's a bit we, confusing. We, it, yeah, <laughs> um, we wanted to leave it up to the kids to find their rhythm, but they Tallulah's now five, and she still says daddy. So she'll call. You know, she's upstairs, and she'll go, "Daddy, I'll go traipsing up," and then she'll go, "No, other daddy." <laughs> so then I come down, and then Wes goes up. So we're both daddy. She she hasn't yet decided what she wants to label as both us. So we're fine with that at the minute. I'm going to go completely off tangent here, actually. How, because um, Tallulah started school this year, is that right? Yeah. How has um, her classmates taken to her having two daddies? Um, good. Um, we're, she, she's the only child in that year group with, with same-sex parents. There mm-hmm. are other same-sex families in a school, but we're the only two-dad family. Um, it's it's really good. The school are really good. They, they're really involving... Um, they wanted to know the types of books that we have and how the children can be exposed to that because mm-hmm. we don't want we don't want Tulula um, singled out as the girl with two dads. You know, mm-hmm. I want Tulula being Tulula because she's beautiful, she's funny, she's intelligent. I don't want you know our family unit as, the, as, as how people describe her. Um, so the school are really good. Kids um, don't always understand. You know, they they she, she's. She comes home some days and she's like, oh, Ethan was, was kept saying, I, I must have a mommy because everyone's got a mommy. So, you know, there's times when we have to um, just remind school who have been brilliant. Um, and then sometimes allow for Tallulah's adjustment because she also, you know, mm-hmm. needs, needs that, needs those reassurances that she's not, she's not different no. necessarily. Um and how sorry, I'm going massively off tangent now. How, how how did you explain to Tallulah how she was created? Um I, I think, you know, honesty, certainly with fertility treatment, I think is always best. Mm. And we have got a ton of books that are surrogacy related, and we've Tallulah knows that her daddies don't have all of the parts to make a baby. So we did need a couple of really kind people, one lady to provide an egg and one lady to keep the egg safe. Mm -hmm. And Tallulah really understands that. And she, they did a a, a subject at school two weeks ago and every parent had to send in a video about what they do for a living. So we had to send a video in that we, we help people have families through surrogacy. And it was really interesting because it, the ch- children hadn't heard about what that means. So Tallulah was proudly telling people about, Oh, it's how I was made. And uh, I've got two daddies and this is how, you know how our family was built. And it's been, it's been really good. I think, We've always been honest with T. You know, she she doesn't yet fully understand who's a biological dad. Um, it's a topic that I think we're more nervous about than her. Mm. Um, I think it's quite triggering and I, I, it terrifies me, Duke, finding out that I'm not his biological dad. Mm. Um, he, he's very clingy with me anyway. Mm. And... Um, it just breaks my heart if he ever thinks, oh, so you're not my real dad. And I don't think he ever would. Um, But I know that that's also a little fear in Wes's head because Tallulah is all Wes. She is a real daddy Wes girl. Um, So 
yeah, when the time's right, we've been told that it's not a big conversation. We don't sit down and talk about it. We're very matter of fact. Um, because if we make a big deal about it, Tallulah mm-hmm. will think this mm-hmm. is big. Yeah. Why, why are we having a sit down chat about who's my biological parent? Mm-hmm. So the conversation, and it's probably imminent, will be just very matter of fact and direct. Yeah. Um, It'll probably happen and, when you're driving somewhere and yeah, eating exactly. something in the back of the car. And, and that's how I want it to be. Yeah. I want it to be. And then, you know, just like how Wes came out to Katie, when Katie said to him in the car, is Michael your boyfriend? And he couldn't escape because he was driving. Mm-hmm. He just looked at her and went, yep. And then she was like, oh, uh, the other day at school. And then the, the topic had changed. Um, that's kind of what I'm hoping where this goes. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Wow. Thank you. Sorry. Went completely off there. Um, last question. <clears throat> uh, if there was one, sorry, or out of many pieces of advice that you could give people who are maybe going on a similar journey or bearing your journey in mind, um, could you just give us one for now? Um, take your time. Surrogacy is not a sprint. Mm -hmm. And when people do try and sprint it, it goes wrong. Mm -hmm. So take your time. And in that whole period, you know, really self-care and research, just use time to really assist you on that journey um, because it's the time factor that will be really precious because there's so much you can do in the time frame. Just don't rush it. Amazing. And if people wanted to contact you, Mike, how could they do that? Um, they can go to our main website, which is mysurrogacyjourney.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and I've also got a Two Dads account. So if you want to follow, follow us and see our family, we're on twodads.u.k on Instagram. Uh, and the website for that is twodadsuk.com. Awesome. And I'll put it all in the show notes so um, people can easily find it as well. Um, Mike, thank you so much for um, for sharing your, your journey and all of the information you've shared with us today. It's been really amazing talking to you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Oh, awesome. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I absolutely love talking to Mike today. He and Wes are doing such amazing things to bring improvement to those on their surrogacy journey. It's just incredible to hear everything they've achieved in such a small space of time. Please give them a follow to keep in touch with how their work is going. Thank you so much for listening and I'll be back again next week. Bye.